I mean, we've, we've had the chance to kind of, you know, kind of talk here and there, but it's, I'm always surprised at how little I know about, you know, I mean, I'm sure this has probably been true with a lot of the people you, you know, you kind of run into even on a regular basis in the industry, just exactly, you know, how deep, how detailed, you know, kind of their story goes with insurance and you've got a lot of experience. And I mean, what, where did it all start for you? Well, it's, uh, it's like one of those old stories. Uh, I was a poor boy brought up in a small town kind of thing, but it, it's kind of true. Yeah. I grew up in a town, I grew up in a town of 2000 people. And uh, my dad and mom made a career change in their mid-40s, and they bought a tiny propping casualty agency, which my mom ended up owning and running. She was the first woman in Massachusetts to independently own an insurance agency. Wow. And uh, they started in the basement of our house. It was a walkout basement, which they finished off. And uh, when they started that, I was about, I don't know, probably 11 or 12 years old. So I've been in one way or the other, I've been in this business a long time, but I'll tell you, after having the agency in the office and sharing the, the house phone and the agency phone for the first few years, <laughs> I swore I would never be in the business. Well, here I am many, many, many years later, uh, actively in the business and still loving it. So I really did start in very small roots. Uh, the agency only had a couple employees to begin with. And today we're in an agency that, uh, our location here has about uh, 40 employees. So, and I've done a lot of things in between those those two extremes, the two shoulders of my career. So it's been a it's been a great ride. But I think I understand what it is to be part of a very small organization and part of something that's uh, larger too. Man, what makes your parents at in, the, in their mid 40s wake up and say, "Yeah, yeah, I want to buy an insurance agency"? <laughs> um, courage, I guess I would say was the first thing. Uh, my dad was a unique guy. He, uh, he never saw a challenge he didn't want to meet. And uh, he had uh, just a vision that this is something he wanted to do. Knew very little about it. Uh, my mom was in banking at the time. And uh, he, had, he had made a, a career switch a couple of years ago to uh, life insurance, which he had been very successful at. But the PNC thing was something completely new. And so they talked about it for a long period of time and made a decision. They had an opportunity to buy the small agency and they liked the idea of having uh, an agency in the small town. They knew a lot of folks, they had great relationships. He was, my dad was very active in politics in the small town and uh, just seemed like a natural to him, but it was a, you know, it was a big risk. When I look back on it now, I think that was a pretty uh, gutsy thing to do at the time. He had two kids in college and then me, the little guy still at home. And yet he, he made the leap of faith and, and it bore out fruit. And uh, later my brother would come into the business. And then year, a few years after he came in, I came into the business and we ended up buying it for my parents uh, a few years later and ran it for many years together until I had an opportunity to start up a, a new type of agency in another part of the state in Massachusetts. Um, and so that took me to, uh, uh, at that time was referred to as a cluster that agency now has become a about a $350 million shop uh, that we had a sort of a vision in the beginning of what that would look like. And there was a captive involved. There was uh, what has become remote work workstations uh, was unheard of back then, but that's what we introduced into it. And there's a lot of other components. So it was an exciting time. Uh, and that agency has thrived well. I was commuting two hours a day Jeez. each way. And uh, that got old after a couple of years. Uh, 
So that brought me back to New Hampshire uh, into an agency that actually my wife owned. And so as you can see, there's sort of a, a common theme here. It's always been family owned. Her father had started the agency years and years before. Uh, and we began working together. The first six months was a little uh, yeah. trial and error. We, we both had pretty good uh, uh, egos and we both kind of knew what we wanted to do. But after uh, a philosophical discussion in the hot tub one night about how we would run the business, it's been great for the last almost 20 years now doing that. Wow, that is quite the insurance web you've weaved for yourself there, sir. Um, <laughs> it's been interesting, that's for sure. What, talk me through just real quick. I'm interested. What was that? What was that time like moving out of the, the first family agency into that? You know, yeah. Said that what was that? What was that? time like yeah that was that was an interesting time i mean obviously the the agency was completely fine i mean we hired people afterwards but it was a still a relatively small agency i think that when i left we probably had seven or eight employees maybe nine uh but it was just my brother and i and it gotten to the point where um we you know we got along great we we did well together but this opportunity came along i was looking for something uh sort of a, a different challenge in my life at that point and uh, another insurance agent in Massachusetts who had uh, developed a, a captive with, with, along with some other agents. And I talked about the concept of having sort of a, uh, a hub and spoke type of agency, which has become fairly common today, but this was over 20 years ago. And the technology piece of it was, was unique back then, the captive piece was unique. So I made the, I made the choice to, to do that. But you know, when you leave a family business, uh, th there's all kinds of ties that go along with that. It's just not a business decision, it's a family decision, you know? I wanted to make sure we could still have Christmas together afterwards, and uh, yeah. and that's turned out yeah. just fine. He's, uh, he's done very well uh, with the business. Uh, I've been very happy what I've done since then. So, but yeah, it was a, it was a heartstring pull, for sure, at that time, making that decision. But uh, yeah, I just felt it was the right time in my career to, to move on to something different and uh, haven't looked back and have not regretted it. Uh, and uh, my brother Tim has done very well with the agency since then, too. So I, I'm fascinated with, with all of that, you know, kind of under your belt. Um, what's one thing that you kind of think today that maybe has gone out of fashion that you're not quite sure why? Uh, what, what, that, that's always been kind of a cornerstone that you don't know that we're maybe just not paying enough attention to. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I don't know if it's gone out of style so much as, you know, a lot of people say, oh, the insurance industry has changed so much. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that the consumer has changed dramatically in the last few years. And so things that we used to take as the norm, you know, come in and visit me between 8.30 and 5 or I'll come to your house after hours or, you know, yeah. pick up the phone and talk to me. Those are sort of the norms that have changed. And I don't think for the worse. I, you know, I think there's a lot of agents my age that lament those days and wish they were still here. Yeah. But, you know, developing relationships is developing relationships. Whether they walk through my front door or through an electronic door, I'm, I'm indifferent to that. I just think that there's a different model that you have to put in place. And so I don't necessarily miss the good old days, if you will, because the good old days weren't always good. And, you know, there's, there's just a different way of doing business today, but there's an awful lot of folks in our industry that sort of missed the, the turnoff point 10 or 20, 12 years ago. Up until then, if, if a decision was made in the insurance industry, it was made by an insurance company or insurance agency to go left or right or forward or backwards. Well, that all changed a number of years ago. 
when the consumer said, I'm going to decide which way we go. And some of us in the industry said, we're going to go with you. And some of us have resisted it since then. And that's, I guess, that's a roundabout answer to say, um, I don't miss the old days. I just wish a lot of my brethren would say, you know, this is the norm today. And how do we embrace this and, and embrace the technological changes and social media and digital marketing and all the things that can take us to the next level? And there's only so many bad cups of coffee you can have, right, Tom? Sitting across the kitchen. <laughs> Good point. Good point. I mean, not that, I, not that I'm ever of that time, but I've heard stories of that time from, you know, my dad and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's just. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the guys from that time, including me, will tell you that relationships were built one by one, and they're not wrong. I mean, that's, but it was also a simpler time. You know, phone calls were the way that we connected with each other. And if you didn't return it for a couple of days, that was normal. And you sent snail mail and responses were weeks later, not minutes later. And I think that's where some older folks have a, just have a trouble, have trouble digesting that and appreciating that. You know, I, I frankly, I love what's changed in, in lots of ways in our industry. Um, but I think it's just you have to embrace change is good and you can't resist it. Now, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. I'm curious, though, like now on the other side, right? Like what's what's one thing that isn't getting enough credit that I mean, we're maybe not paying enough attention to that, you know, from your like you said, your experience point of view that you think should really be at, at the top of the list? Well, I would say, you know, and I, and I touched on it before, is this whole concept of relationships don't mean anything anymore. I, and I, I think there's nothing further from the truth than that. I think that exactly what we used to do in the old days and building relationships, which in turn built trust, which in turn built longtime clients, is still there. Yeah. You just, you have to say it's done in a different way. Yeah. You know, I, you know, my, my wake up call was about, oh, I don't know how many years ago, let me think. Our youngest is probably about 30, so I would say 12 years ago, maybe. I walked down into our, our, our finished basement one day, and, and at that time, the, I'm trying to think how old he was, but maybe even more years ago. He's in his teens, and he's on his Xbox, and he's got his headphones on. It was sort of the early versions of Xbox. And, you know, I hear him talking to somebody as I walk downstairs, and my, my old brain goes, gee, I didn't see anybody come in the house. Yeah. And I go down and realize that he's talking to three other individuals, and they're playing. And so afterwards, I said, who's on the phone or who's on the Xbox? And he says, well, it's Joe and Bill and Pete. And I said, well, where are they? Well, one guy's in Canada, one guy's in England, and one guy's in Japan. Yeah. And I go, what? <laughs> and, you know, and that was, that was the old brain part of me that needed a wake-up call. And, and, and yet, he said, they're my friends. Yep. And that was the moment I went, aha, this is a different way of, you know, this is a, not only a generational change, but just a way of life change that that's, we, that's the part we've got to embrace and say we can still build really close relationships. We just have to do it in a different way. And that doesn't mean we never see people eye to eye, face to face. It just means that there may be a different way to connect in the connectivity piece that we haven't embraced in the past. Well, you know, so this is, this is fantastic. One, because I love that you brought up video games. Anytime I can work a video game conversation into insurance, I'll take it, Tom. So I appreciate that for happening. <laughs> um, so I'm of that generation, right? You know, so that's, I think that's interesting, you know, uh, you said your son, who was a teen at the time, but now is is what he's thirty. You know, yeah. that's the person that's a prime insurance Absolutely. candidate, right? Yeah. And that's how they've grown yeah. up and acting. And and the relationship, we we have lost the definition of proximity, right? That relationship is defined by proximity, but we just can't. We didn't relocate what that proximity meant in today's world. Right. Yeah. No, it's a really good point. I mean, asking 
And, I, and I'll say that generation, but that's too broad a brush because it's generational. It's yeah. not a generation. Yeah. Asking, you know, the folks that we used to say, come into the office and let's talk. That, that, those days are pretty much gone. I mean, I have some longtime older clients who still want that, and we won't change that to accommodate them. Uh, we want to continue to accommodate what they're looking for. But, you know, asking a, an individual today, whether it's uh, one of our business clients or our personal clients, to do business in a different way than they're used to doing everything else they do in their life is just nonsensical. You know, when, you know, when my wife does probably 90% of her shopping, her Christmas shopping online, what makes me believe that she and her peers want to do insurance in a different way? Now, at the end of the day, what we found is, and this one I will focus more on generational, um, and, I, and again, I hate the broad brush millennials because I think they get a really bad rap and I don't think they deserve it at all. But, you know, what we have found is they look more like their grandparents than anybody else. <laughs> the, difference is, the difference is they'll do all of their research, most of the research, early on in the transaction yeah. and do it at their convenience whenever they want. But at the end of the day, we find most of them do want to have a relationship with, with someone like us. And it may be a, a different form of relationship, but it's still a relationship where they, they value advice at the end, and they do want somebody to help them through the last couple of steps. And we have to be able to be there for them where and when they want that. Yeah, I think the last couple of steps is key, right? We just, we've always assumed that it's all or nothing, or like we, we, we again, we didn't necessarily recalibrate for that assistance. And it might, ju that relationship might just be, in my experience, you know, is they, they didn't need you as much as you thought they needed you, but for the things they needed you for, they really needed you, right? And it might have only been a five-minute yeah. might have only been a five-minute conversation. Really you know, it might have been only a five-minute conversation. But man, they want that five-minute conversation. They want it when they they can they can get it. They want you know to schedule it. They want it easy. But you know, they don't need it to be thirty minutes. They don't need to go through the whole dog and pony show, and they just want to get on with their day. Right. And that and 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 you know, we just have to embrace that and say, okay, we're still valuable to them at whatever part of that that uh, deal is. We just have to be uh, ready to do it. I think that, you know, I think that that is, that's not the challenge. Challenge isn't losing relationships. It's adapting to what expectations are in relationships. Now, yes. Now, this, this is where, this is the million-dollar question, right? Um, how has the business gone with that? Because, you know, as you're able to, to have access to, you know, people, again, on a wider scale, it makes it more challenging. What have you noticed as far as, growing the business along with those realizations of those relationships. Yeah, I think that um, a, a lot of what we do, especially in our, our business section, which is our commercial lines and our group benefits division, is we've been able to put a lot of, a lot of things that we used to do in person um, online. We build private portals for our clients where they can access all their safety information, HR information, compliance information, and their basic insurance products too, in a way that it's their personal portal as opposed to having to wait for us to be open whatever time of day that we're open. Uh, you know, certificates online they can do themselves, reporting claims, checking on claims. You know, I, I don't worry as much as some of my contemporaries do about, well, if I'm not doing it, where's my value? I think my value is providing them something that they can't find with all of my competitors in a way that is how they want to receive it. You know, I think that that part of this, and you know, yes, we use social and we use digital and 
And, you know, we, we drive business in here. For example, the other day, a real good example is we subscribe to trustedchoice.com and we have, we received a lead that's going to, that looks like it's about $120,000 commercial opportunity. You know, that wouldn't have happened a few years ago had we not partnered with trustedchoice.com to get that type of business in here. You know, do we close the deal? Don't know yet, yeah. but there's an opportunity that's going to produce a lot of revenue for this agency that will pay for the small cost of trustedchoice.com many, many, many times over. And we're doing that in a lot of different venues. The, the thing that concerns me, Joe, is not so much how we can adapt, because we still have a long way to go there, is I need to make sure I'm partnering with insurance companies that have the same mindset when it comes to service after the sale. Mm-hmm. Because I might be able to attract them in using these different mediums and the different ways to talk, but I need to have a partner that's going to be there because I can't, I cannot afford to be open 24 seven. It's just it's not budgetable. Yep. And, yep. but I have, I have a client base that wants me here more than the hours that are open. And so, you know, do I, do I find companies that are embracing, you know, artificial learning, machine learning and, and chatbots and AI assistants and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's a little scary for me, but in the same token, you know, it's another learning experience for me to think about having something as opposed to someone answering questions for my clients. Um, but if they, but if that can be done in a way where it still feels like I'm making the, I'm requ- I'm answering the questions that have been asked and I can do it in a way that my clients accept and enjoy, then I'm all for it. It's not only going to be incumbent upon me as the agent to find ways to uh, bring them into my my business and and give give them the tools to access a lot of different information here. It's also going to be incumbent upon my insurance company partners to have the same type of of uh, feel uh, as we go forward, because there can't be a breakdown between how I onboard somebody and then how their their services later. I mean, I think we'll do a great job servicing during our regular hours of business. But what happens to the after hours? I mean, right now we have an after hour. Um, we partner with someone that if they answers our phones after hours and they're licensed agents and that type of thing. But even they can't go 24 um, seven. So I think, you know, when we start to think about what this means going forward is, you know, some kind of AI assistance or chatbots um, will probably be part of the equation. How we measure that, how we make it work. And how do we, and what companies do we partner with to do that? That's still the question that's sort of uh, an unknown for me. And, and so this, you touched on something that I'm, I'm fascinated with, and that's that insecurity surrounding the, the perceived value that you think you're delivering. Um, yeah. And, and, and understanding that and kind of coming to grips with it, um, both on the agent side and the insurance company side, I think, both parties. Uh, is that is that kind of one of the vital things that is important to kind of moving past uh, understanding and readjusting um, to ultimately maybe reach those kind of goals that you're you're kind of seeing? Yeah, I think that that's real accurate. I think it. And, and by the way, it's you know the old saying "twas ever so." Um, this has happened over generations. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is. I'm really going to date myself now, but there was a time when. Um, people didn't pay their bills online. They literally walked in, wrote a check, and gave it to the insurance agent. Yeah. And that was before that's before direct bill and before payment online. Um, and I, I can tell you there's a whole generation of insurance agents that thought that they were never going to have a relationship anymore because people couldn't pay their bills <laughs> at their front door. Yeah. And it seems ridiculous now. It seems it's a, you know, it's yeah. a joke. But yet that same angst happened back then. And then, you know, 
when policies were issued direct from the company. That was a big deal because what's my relationship going to be looking like? And claims being, you're talking to the insurance company instead of me about your claim. All of those things that have happened over eons were always challenges to the industry. This is just another one. I just, the th I think the difference is we have an entire generation of agency owners that don't understand all of the terminology and how this works. And so I think, you know, it's paralysis by analysis as opposed to, let me find out what this means, or let me trust somebody younger in my agency to take the, you know, to take the steering wheel and the stuff and make it work. And so I think that, you know, perceived value and, and you know, what's my worth and all this are key, Joey. And I think that, you know, with the right education and the right mindset, I think the industry can move forward. But for those that are going to resist this, it, they're going to get left behind. And, and I hate to see that because I think what we do, we need more of us. I think that yeah. we can serve the greater purpose here, but we've got to be able to adapt. So I, I sometimes get, uh, I sometimes get pelted by like large objects when I say this, but I've, I've often said like, I think we're in the information business more than we are the service business. And I think, I think one of the things that, you know, over the next 10, 15, 20 years, it's more about information insights and maybe ultimately analysis that, you know, are our true, you know, bread and butter. Like, again, it's not processing that, that payment, right? It's not taking that payment. I think that those things are going to prove to be more and more true as, you know, what, what can't be done. Uh, easily, and right. that's kind of where we we have the value. I don't know, but again, people tend to people tend to get upset when I say things like that. Though I don't know if if you want to yell no, at me a little bit. Tommy. No, I agree. I I don't get up I don't get upset with that because I think that that's right. I think that you know we're in an era where it's more about help me understand and the experience of whatever I'm doing as opposed to don't preach to me about what I should have and shouldn't have. That yeah. you know I, I, we're we're in a, an era. It's not going to go back. We are in a place where people can find any information literally at the tip of their fingertips. And we have to understand that, that we don't need to be from point A to B to C all the way to Z. We need to pick up the, that, that, that lineage somewhere in the middle of that and provide better information than anybody else does, which does come with advice, but it's more of a learning experience. And then in turn, most of our clients will tell us what they need. We don't have to tell them. If we listen well, and that's, that's the part of the relationship business that I don't think changes over the time. If we stop preaching and start listening, and preaching is too strong a word, but if we, you know, rather than saying this is what you have to have, why you have to have it, listen to what they need. Give them the tools to research that, and then give them the information over the lifespan of them being a client. That's how we're going to win. Now we didn't get to talk about the most uh, the most important thing, which is uh, you're going to be speaking at Elevate uh, on a panel, kind of talking about this, uh, about you know, kind of scaling your agency over time, you know, going from smaller accounts, working your way up with our, our buddy John Jensen. Um, I mean, uh, what do you think? Uh, you know, real quick on that, you know, that agents maybe don't give themselves enough credit for to start swinging for something maybe a little bit bigger than what they've already did or are currently accustomed to doing. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And I think every agency, every successful agency goes through that, that thought process because most of us started small, you know, and we wrote what we could write, when we could write it, and we were happy to do that. And then not a lot of us talked about scalability, but as we, we sort of fell into that and said, okay, what, can we, what do we do well? You know, how do we translate that into larger accounts or more robust accounts 
or more difficult accounts. And there is a whole process to go through to get there. Uh, I'm looking forward to speaking at Elevate in 2019 because, it, you know, those types of topics I've lived and breathed over the years. And I still do, by the way. I, I am very fortunate. And so do you, sometimes you make your own luck. In the last several years, we have completely changed over our, our sales force. And right now, our average age of our sales team is about 35 years old. Wow. And a few years ago, it was 55 years old. And so with that, you know, we sort of had to restart the engine because a lot of these younger folks would start off on smaller accounts, you know, get their feet wet, uh, cut their teeth, that type of thing. But now they've been in the business for four or five years and it's time for them to start to reach again. So we're, I'm doing again what I've done over the years, and that is helping them get to the next step and take the knowledge that they have learned from here, including sales knowledge, and say, okay, you, now you got to have some courage here. You got to step up. You got to go after the bigger ones. And why it's okay to lose some of those, that's all right, because it's a learning experience. Um, but, you know, they already see the advantage of writing larger accounts. It doesn't mean we don't write a bunch of small ones. We still do. But these folks are going to be charged in a different way uh, than they have been in the past. And I'm looking forward to that challenge. And so are they. If you could give somebody one thing to do to go after that bigger account like today just the one simple action is there like is there you could boil it down to something just hey try this next time or try this before elevate and i'd be curious that'd be awesome if you had a bunch of people come to the session and, and it actually worked is it can it be that simple is there just maybe one or two little things um i i think there's one thing that i i tell my folks all the time that can make a big difference. And that is when you're with a prospective client, listen 75% of the time and talk 25% of the time. And the talk is basically asking more learning questions on what you just heard. And I know that seems very simplistic, but over my years, my many years of doing this, I have found that salespeople just, they want to spill their popcorn in the lobby. Let me show you all the great things I can do. Let me, I can solve all these problems until find until rather than finding out if there are problems to solve and especially in this day and age again going back to everything at your fingertips if you're not listening well then you can't serve that client and i think that is one thing that and it's a discipline and it's hard work because you want to fill a void when there's a you know when there's a void in the conversation you want to fill it and you want to tell them about all the great services that you can provide there's a time and a place for that, but in the early party relationship building with that prospective client, that's what I would tell you is, is spend much more time listening and asking learning questions 